Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. You guys excited about all that is happening these days? Yeah, we just feel like God is moving and we want to lean in and experience the ride. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I just want to begin by saying I'm so thankful for you, thankful for our church. I mean, have I told you lately that I love you? You know what I mean? Like, I do. And uh, before, though, we get into the sermon today, I, I do want to share a bit of personal news about our family and something to be in prayer about for us. Um, some of you are aware about Christy's health situation, and um, some of you we are pretty aware, uh, you may not be aware of it, and so we thought today we communicate that. Uh, first of all, if you're new here, my name's Tim, I'm the pastor, my wife was just up here singing, uh, her name's Christy, and, and uh, long story short, about a month ago we found out that Christy had breast cancer, and, uh, and obviously since she was just up here singing, she's feeling good, and uh, that's, we're praising God for that. But we decided to share this morning for a couple reasons. We know that a lot of you that know us well already know, but we also know that this is, this is a family to us, that our church is a family. And, and we, we just felt like, you know, if there was a couple months that passed and someone that we cared about in our family somehow didn't know about it, um, that, that, would, that would hurt us a little bit. And we know it hurt them. And you would want to know uh, that information. And so because you're family um, and we love you, we wanted to make sure we shared with everyone today what's going on. And first thing we want to say is God is good. God has already went before Christy and provided everything that she needs in this journey. And, uh, and we really have seen that at work at, at hand. Um, and we also know that, you know, even though it's been tough for her in many ways, we really want to declare that God is good. And just make a lot of medical details really, really short. Um, Tomorrow, I'll, I'll cut to the end, Christy has surgery tomorrow, and the surgery will be the treatment for her cancer to be able to remove 100% of the cancer, which we're thankful for, and we know that God, yeah, yeah, you can clap for that, that's great, and we know that God has her and is in complete control, and I do want to say this, though, before I, before I pray, is we hesitated to share this from the stage, obviously it's personal, but we also we never want to act as if this is about us um, in any way um, or, if there are, or that there aren't others in our church going through even more significant health challenges. And uh, I was praying about it and was talking to Christy about it, and I'm hopeful that this is an invitation to any of you that have health concerns or health challenges to say that we would want to know about it. Um, we want you to feel this family. We want you to feel the prayer support and the people that would rally around you to join you in contending for God's healing. And so uh, I hope that if anybody needs that, that you would feel comfortable sharing with us because I know we've been grateful for that support. Um, I know Christy has felt, and she, her words have been saying, I'm feeling the tangible effects of prayer um, and that the prayers that have been lifted up for her, she's feeling and seeing them every day, the impact they're making. So with that said, um, we, of course, invite you to pray with us for her surgery tomorrow and her recovery over the next number of weeks. Um, so on that note, should we pray together? I think so. Let's pray. Um, Father, we, we, just ask, um, we just ask for you to be the great healer, as you often are. We know you're in control. We know you can do anything. 
And so today, we do want to give thanks that your will is to rid us of sickness and disease and pain. So we pray for Christy, and I want to pray for anybody else in this room who needs some form of physical healing. Lord, we ask you to heal. And we only ask because we believe you can. We wouldn't ask you if we didn't believe, but we know that you can. And so, Father, for any person in this room that needs that right now, I just pray that they would open their heart to you. In fact, as we got our heads bowed, I was just thinking, like, maybe someone in here in this room just needs to say, Lord, I want to welcome your healing into my life. Just say that prayer. Say, Father, I welcome your healing into my life. I don't want to resist it. I want to welcome it. Father, we pray healing in Jesus' name today. We ask for the power of your spirit to move in power, but also for just the powerful name of Jesus to be the king above all things, including sickness and pain and disease. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, thank you guys so much and, uh, for praying with us. Well, I'm, I'm going to try and make the transition into our message now. And uh, I, I'm going I'm to make a pretty simple approach today. I'm going to read a verse from the book of Isaiah. And then I'm going to share a story about some people that lived in the 1700s. <laughs> that sounds fun. And then, and then I'm going to give us a few thoughts about renewal to take with us today. Um, so are you all ready to go? All right, let's do this. We are in week six of the series called Renewal, and today's message is called They Will Never Be Silent. Everyone say, never be silent. Never be silent. Have you ever experienced a person who will never be silent? They will never shut up. You know what I'm talking about. And I mean, have you ever, anyone ever experienced this person? Yes? And of course, I'm not talking about myself. If you're thinking that's me, Tim, you know, every time I'm around you, you're talking. I'm talking about someone else other than me, all right? Um, yeah, you know the person you're trying to end a conversation, but they don't ever take a breath to allow you to exit. You know what I mean? Um, and if that person is in here, by the way, don't look at them right now. That would be awkward. And I do know that some of you are that person, and that's okay. Bless your heart. You know what I mean? We love you anyway. Um, but take a hint every once in a while. Yeah. No, so uh, just in case you are that person, just listen. This, this message, they will never be silent. It's not about those people. Right? It's not, about, it's not about your kids who will never be quiet. It's not about your neighbor's dogs who will never quit barking. And it's not even about the latest movement that will never be silenced. All of those things are good in their lane and they serve a purpose. But today we're talking about something different. And I want to read an inspiring verse out of the book of Isaiah to get us going. Isaiah chapter 62 says this, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. So this particular passage is a prophetic word about God's people contending and nonstop prayer until the Lord restores Jerusalem. Let me give you a little bit more context when the scriptures say Jerusalem, especially in the Old Testament, it's actually a reference to, you could say, also known as God's people. The city, Jerusalem, represented kind of the, the picture of God's people. And so he is saying, Isaiah, when he's writing this, he's saying, listen, Jerusalem, God's people, 
they have grown cold. Now, if you, re- if you were going to read a bunch of verses around this, if you're going to try and understand the book of Isaiah chapter 62, you're going to see that the people of God had grown cold. They had grown callous. They had rebelled. And their nation, their city, the people of God needed a tidal wave of renewal to wash over them. Now, I don't know about you, if that sounds familiar to any group of people in today's world, but the idea that God would renew his people. So Isaiah was speaking to a specific group of people. A lot of people call this group the remnant. And the remnant is a small group of people who stay dedicated to prayer when the rest of the world quit praying. The remnant is a group of people that kept pressing in and gave themselves no rest. In fact, they prayed so much they gave God no rest in hearing their prayers. They gave God no rest in hearing their prayers until God did a work of renewal. So he would say, give yourselves no rest. Give God no rest until he restores or in other words, renews his people. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of the 19th century, said this about this particular passage. He says, a restless savior calls upon his people to be restless, to make the Lord himself restless, to give him no rest until his chosen city is in its full splendor, his chosen church complete and glorious. So this verse gives us a picture of a prayer that never rests. And when I say prayer that never rests, you get you know, glimmers of Paul's words, pray without ceasing. Does that mean you should never rest? Does that mean, it just means his people, us, the people of God. So when we say we're launching three days of nonstop prayer, we say we're launching seven days of nonstop prayer, I just want you to be reminded of something, that this isn't some creative idea that we're doing, that we're stepping into something prophetic, something ancient, and something that John, or excuse me, that God joins in the course of. Isaiah 52, 8 says this, listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. They shout joyfully together for they will see with their own eyes when the Lord restores, another word for renews, Zion, Zion, another word for God's people, God's place. And so he says, they're going to lift up their voices joyfully. So this, this is a picture, right, of people lifting up their voices in prayer nonstop and lifting up their shouts of praise. So when we do nonstop prayer and renewal nights, we are not coming up with it on our own. It's been happening since the ancient days. Are you all with me? A couple years ago, uh, I was invited on a trip to the Czech Republic to, um, to learn about church planting. And, and while I was there, I kind of got away by myself for a day and I drove across the border and went to a small town in Germany called Hernhunt. And now a couple years ago, I shared some about this story, but uh, so a few of you will probably remember some of this, but, but I have to say what happened in Hernhunt in the 1720s is worth repeating two, three, four or more times because it literally is one of the most spiritually inspiring stories that I've ever come across in church history. And so I have a couple pictures. Um, uh, this first picture right here is, is the church that I went to go see Um, And one of the most significant prayer movements in church history began in this place among a group of people called the Moravians. Now, this is the Moravian church in Hernhunt that I went to see, and it's been there since the 1700s. And this this next picture is 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 a statue of a guy named Count Zinzendorf. Good German name, right? Everyone say Zinzendorf. Isn't that fun? 
It's just a fun name to say. Well, Count Zinzendorf was the leader of this movement. And uh, I got to give, give you a little bit of history, a little background on the Moravians. Count Zinzendorf was actually um, a follower of Jesus who was made aware of a group of people who were being persecuted. And they're actually being persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church because of the Protestant Reformation and all this new religious freedom. The Roman Catholic Church wasn't too happy about all this religious freedom. And so this group of Moravians, um, Zinzendorf created a refuge for them and about three or 400 people came and lived on his land in Southern Germany. And he made this refuge for them to have religious freedom. And this settlement would later become known as Hernhunt, which is the town today. So when the Moravians first arrived, though, uh, it did not go all that well. There was quite a bit of disagreement among the people, some infighting. It was kind of an awkward situation. So Zinzendorf decided to go and kind of solve the issue by going door to door. And when he would meet with the people, these refugees, he would actually uh, pray with them. That was, his, that was his remedy for the disagreements. And so what he did, in, it was anytime there was a disagreement between people, he would pull those two people together who were in disagreement and he would pray. Sounds like a, a pretty cool solution to a lot of our disagreements in today's world, right? Republicans, Democrats, come on, let's pray together. You know what I mean? And so there's this idea that he started to bring the people together and pray. And then he eventually led the people to make a covenant of unity together. And they created what is known as a community rule. And meaning it was a code by which they lived and this covenant still exists to today, and it's been modified, of course, but it's called the Moravian Covenant for Christian Living, which I think is just kind of a beautiful thing. They have this kind of way that they've kind of sort of decided to live um, in conduct with um, their faith in Christ. So the Moravians, though, they describe a day on August 13th, 1727. Now, if you're taking notes, August 13th happens to also be my birthday, just so you know. I mean... It seems immaterial, but also very relevant to the conversation. Um, 251 years before yours truly was born, though, there was this moment where they describe a day when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they knew that God's power had come to them and a revival had been birthed in their midst. So imagine being so overwhelmed with the presence of God that you knew that the tidal wave would come and hit you square in the face, right? And they wanted to commit not to allow this spiritual renewal to just pass through them. And so they imagined it like, um, like a, a fire they had to keep tending and adding wood to. And so every day they wanted to make sure the revival fire didn't go out. So a small group of them committed to never be silent day or night and to start praying 24 hours a day as if they were adding logs to the fire. And like acting like watchmen on a wall, right? At first it was 24 men and 24 women that committed to do this. And then it grew to about 70 people from this small community that committed to, to pray. And as God continued to move, more and more people came into this, this movement and this work that God was doing in this small community. And the Moravians ended up creating a prayer movement that literally changed the world. They ended up praying nonstop for over a hundred years. Think about this. One church in a little town. One hundred years of nonstop prayer, never being silent day or night. Passed from one generation to the next. 
Here's a picture inside of the church. This is the actual building that these prayers came from. And being in this building was a powerful moment for me. By the way, it's still an active church. They still have worship in this place. They don't have all of this technology, but they still just worship and pray there. And I didn't receive, just so you know, when I was there, any mystical zaps from heaven or anything like that. But I did feel the power and the presence of God, and I knew where I was standing was holy ground. As I prayed a prayer of surrender in my own heart and say, Lord, I want to give you my heart, all I am, all I have. Because I knew that so many things had come from these 100 years of nonstop prayer that happened in this place. You know, just a few things that come from it. One of the, one of the first modern missions movements began um, in this place where people from this small community began to go around the world to proclaim the gospel. And they were sending out missionaries in the 1700s, which is crazy, by the way. No one was doing that, not to the rate at which they were doing it. Hundreds of missionaries were coming out of this little town and called Hearn Hunt, and they were literally going to the ends of the earth spreading the gospel. There's countless stories that we don't have time to talk about of the, the missional outpouring that came from this movement, which is always interesting that the more you pray, the more God moves and calls you into his mission. This is also believed to be the first 24-7 prayer movement in world history. So much has happened from this, this, this movement that happened. Not only the missional outpouring, but there's even, there's even pretty good evidence of, of indicating that the Moravians played um, a significant role in the conversion of John Wesley, who is the father of the Methodist church. There's also direct lines of inspiration and prayer that led to the Welsh revival in the early 1900s, which, is, which changed the world during that time. There's also direct lines of influence and inspiration into this movement that's going through the world today called 24-7, started by Pete Gregg, that has direct impact and influence on our prayer room and our efforts of nonstop prayer. Do you understand that we are standing on the shoulders of Moravian watchmen who cried out day and night? Today, we're, we're, we're standing on that, on that story and on those people. And I remember ending my day in Hernhut, sitting in a small restaurant, having a sausage plate and sauerkraut with the German beverage. <laughs> because when in Rome, my friends, for the record, the beverage was German water, meaning they drink it like water. <laughs> I remember asking the Lord, though, as I ended my day, Lord, what do you want me to hear today? What do you want to say to me today? And I remember writing in my journal, what may seem small and insignificant is what I used to do my greatest work. I was in this little bitty town, just a speck in the world. This church that I just, I did, I just couldn't see it. I, just, I couldn't understand how it had the ripple effect around the world. And God put this other thought in my heart and I wrote it down and I said this, I wrote this, I'm not looking, this is the Lord speaking in, in a way, I'm not looking for big people who can build big things. I'm looking for people who know they are small and surrender to me with all that they have so that I can use them in the biggest of ways. Can I say that again? I'm not looking for big people who can build big things. I'm looking for people who know they are small, who will surrender me with all that they have so I can use them in the biggest of ways. And I, I, just, I just know that this church that never exceeded a few hundred people that has impacted the world for, for, over, for almost 300 years now, 
like I say, this, this speck, if you will, in the world, God used the spiritual imagination and the spiritual hunger of a group of people who said, what if we never stopped praying? To send ripple effects and waves around the world, not only of mission and prayer, but of good works and faithfulness and even revival. But here's what I love the most, the more I reflect on it. They weren't trying to do big things. That's what, they weren't saying, hey, what if we prayed 24 hours a day uh, to get God's favor, to get God to do something great with us? That wasn't their heart's cry. They were seeking one thing only, and it was the presence of God, that the revival that was in their heart, they didn't want it to go away. They wanted to experience more and more of God's love and his presence among them as a group of people. They never imagined anything bigger than that. That's what they wanted. And I think sometimes, I said this last week, but we have to remember renewal which eventually leads to revival, is only possible when you come to the end of yourself. Renewal is only possible when you get tired and exhausted by the idea of yourself being at the center of your world. God always gives grace to the humble. I love the passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. All of you, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. God has a habit of lifting up and working through the humble at heart. You know, we live in a culture today that says you can do anything. You can do anything, right? All the focus is on you. You be you. You demand. You go, girl. You're number one, right? Right? Whatever. Take care of numero uno, which is you. Right? And here's the thing. I get some of that type of motivation. I want to be the first person to say, hey, good self-esteem is a godly thing because if you can't love yourself, then you, you don't understand that first God loves you just the way you are. You know what I mean? I, I, want, to, I want there to be good encouragement. I want, to, I want to talk about the beautiful things of who we we're created to be as the children of God. But I think, I think the world is playing a dangerous game when it comes to the excessive focus we put on ourselves, our dreams, our wants, our desires. We think it's all about us. And there's something dangerous about that because we have to get to the end of ourselves because we have to be careful not to drown in the sea of self-care, in the sea of self care that says that you can do anything and miss out on the life that says I can't do anything without God on my side. You see, you see, there's something about realizing that you really can't do anything without God on your side of any substance that will last beyond the temporal, without God on your side. Until we get to that point, man, I just feel like life is just about us. The Moravians said, what if we never stopped praying? You realize no one was watching, right? No one was going, hey, uh, did, you see about, did you hear about the church that's been praying for a few years? We should do a news story. There were no news stories. There was no Insta stories. There was no pats on the back. There was no, there was no perfectly, you know, set up Instagram photo with a Bible and a cup of coffee saying, starting my day right. <laughs> Nothing like that. <laughs> They were simply hungry for more. You understand that? They were simply hungry for more. That's it. They had been touched by the Spirit of God and wanted nothing more than the presence of God. They had surrendered to God and they had said, all I am and all I have is yours. 
Perhaps our dreams should begin in a place like that. On our knees, in a prayer room with a surrendered heart, mind, soul, strength. For just a minute, I want to take us back to the story of Mary in the alabaster jar for just a moment. You know, through this series, we've been kind of going back to that story as this sort of place to remember this act of worship that, that Mary had done. And where she said that essentially through what she did when she broke open that bottle, poured it out on Jesus. She was saying, Jesus, you can have all I am and all I have. And of course, the others in the room spoke up, rebuked her. And Jesus said this, and I'll look at this again, starting in verse 6, Mark 14. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. burial. Tell, truly I tell you, and this is the key verse that I want us to notice, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Here we are 2,000 years later, and what Jesus said is true. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, this story of Mary is also told with it, remembering uh, and reminding us of what it means to love Jesus more, to surrender, and to consider extravagant acts of worship that we can do for Jesus. You see, here's, here's the thing. The Moravians and Mary are an example of what is known as the butterfly effect. I'm sure most of you know what the butterfly effect is. If you don't, it's all about, um, well, in 1963, MIT meteorologist, I'm going to give you the real background on it. MIT meteorologist Edward Lorenz presented a hypothesis to the New York Academy of Science. And Lorenz theorized, catch this, that a minor event like the flapping of a butterfly's wings in Brazil could could conceivably alter wind currents sufficiently enough to cause a tornado in Texas. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy, but Lorenz argued that minuscule changes in input could have a macroscopic difference in output. One degree of change can make a hundred degree difference or even a thousand degree difference. That's the butterfly effect. And although there's no conclusive evidence or belief that the flapping of a butterfly wing, wings in Brazil can have any sort of impact. It is widely accepted that small changes, even the tiniest, can have dramatic impact on the outcome. This is true in science, this is true in life, and it's true in prayer. You see, I just want you to hear something, that God has always done a lot with the little. God has always done a lot with the humble. God isn't looking for big people who can build big things. He's looking for people who know they are small, surrender to him with all that they have so that he can use them in the biggest of ways. God used Mary's one act of humility and love to teach generations of Christ what captures the attention of Jesus. God used the Moravians, a small group of people in a countryside town in southern Germany, to step into something that seemed rather insignificant in historical terms. They simply prayed like they meant it. And they posted watchmen on the walls and they didn't rest and they didn't let God rest either. And I just wanted to say, I, was, I see that same desire and that same spirit in our church. I feel like it's, 
It's there in the sense that I feel like those embers are here and they want to be fully ignited. You know, just even an example from the last few weeks for us, you know, there's been, we've been humbled to hear about so many people praying for Christy this past month. I, I know that there's a group of friends in our church that are praying for her every morning and every night. And just the other night, a friend showed up at our house just to pray with us. You know, last week, some friends, they fasted and prayed for an entire day for Christy. And friends and family are saying to Christy, hey, we're going to keep praying this thing through until the very end. In essence, saying we're never going to be silent. And I just wanted to say that those things really matter, right? That God uses the smallest acts of our faith to do the biggest of things. That God will give grace to the humble. So this is why we do nonstop prayer, in case you're wondering what it's about. This is why seasons of prayer are so important to us as a church. It's not about us doing something to pat ourselves on the back or to feel good about ourselves spiritually or to enact some false humility before God. But it's actually saying, Lord, if we, can, if we can't surrender to you in this, what can we surrender to you in? If we can't say, Lord, we want to pray, we want to, we, want to, we want to have seasons in which we're not quiet. I think sometimes we believe stepping deeper into things to God means it's going to be harder. And can I just kind of refute that today? That stepping deeper into the things of God isn't necessarily harder or more pressure or more difficult. Sometimes stepping deeper into the things of God is just that. It's deeper. And deeper is usually better. Well, we're about done and we're going to worship in just a moment. But I want to encourage you. This isn't just a message about prayer, but this is a message about renewal. And if you want renewal in your life, there's going to be things, maybe the tiniest of changes, the one degree changes, the, the one steps of surrender, the one things that you feel like this isn't going to matter, but it really does matter in which you allow all those tiny things to add up in your life and in the life of this church, it may be a thousand degree difference. Now I do say, I realize we all have lives, we're all busy people. And one of the things that I really always wanna say is, hey, we want you to go and do um, your life well. Be a faithful follower of Jesus in your neighborhood, at your workplace, at your school. We understand you have a life outside of this place but I just wanted to throw out this what if scenario today. What if we had times when we were never silent? What if God has more for us? What if together we could do something we could have never done alone? And what if you said, I'm gonna make room, a reference to last week, I'm gonna make room in my life for prayer. I'm gonna make room in my life for the possibility that God has things in mind for my life that I have no idea about. We've been, we've been saying the tide is coming. And here's what I know about tidal waves. Big waves start as tiny waves. Do you know that? It's really basic, right? Tiny waves leads to big waves, meaning big waves were never big at first. It's kind of the butterfly effect. And I was just thinking, 
some of us feel the need for more meaning and significance in our life. If you're here today and you're just like, sometimes I just feel insignificant. Like my life doesn't really make that much of a difference. I just wanna say something that I, I've said a few times already, but I want you to really hear it for yourself. That God isn't always looking and he's not looking for big people who can build big things. But he's looking, he's looking for people who know that they are small, who will surrender to him with all that they have so that God can use them in the biggest of ways. So your path to significance and meaning it's to be a humble person that surrenders to God in the little things in your life, believing that they're gonna make the biggest of impact. I'm sure Mary never thought that her story would be told for 2000 years. I'm sure that the Moravians never imagined 300 years later, a church in Oklahoma City would be sharing their story. They weren't doing it for those reasons. You see, we don't, we don't pursue God's, God's presence to experience, his, to experience greatness. We pursue God's presence because of his greatness. So it isn't about us getting anything. It's about us experiencing the fact that we know we serve a great God and he is worthy of our praise and worthy of our prayer. So today, I just wanna say, as we worship and respond, I, I, just, I believe it begins now. And it's already begun, but it begins again now to where we say, maybe today it's the day that you would say, I'm gonna surrender doing it my way and I'm going to say, God, I want to do it your way. Maybe he's moving in your heart to say, Lord, I just want to give you all I am and all I have today. Maybe he's saying, Lord, it's time for me to actually do these types of things and I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for a one hour prayer today. Maybe it's saying, I'm going to come down to the altar and get on my knees because I just feel like that's what God's been telling me to do for weeks, months, and I just keep fighting it because it just feels weird. Maybe today it's just like I'm done, done worrying about that. Maybe it's today is the day that you say, I need to start interceding for people. I need to pray for people. I need to pray for my friends. I need to pray for those who are hurting in my life that I don't think about enough. We need to ask for your mighty hand, God, to come and move in power in this world. So maybe you're, maybe you're praying over that. Maybe you're praying over your house and peace in your house. Maybe you're praying over your workplace for salvation to come to it. Maybe you're praying over this city for God to move in a mighty way. But perhaps today that's... It's the day that something like that begins, that one degree of change, that one moment to say, you know what, I'm gonna do something different today, believing that the smallest of things make the biggest of impact. It all begins with saying, God, I wanna humble myself before you. And I wanna believe that you have things in mind for me that I have no idea about. So I wanna pray and I wanna invite you uh, to worship. Would you stand with me? We're gonna to pray together. Well, come Holy Spirit, move in the hearts of your people. And I would just encourage you to stay into this moment. The next few minutes may be the most important minutes of your week, maybe the most important minutes of the next number of, number of weeks that God has in store for you. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in power. We ask you to stir people that need to say yes to you. They might need to say yes to say to your salvation. They may need to say yes to your ways. They might need to say yes to 
trusting you. Whatever the yes is, Father, I pray that today we can all say that, Lord, you can have all I am and all I have. You can have our hearts, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Friends, this altar is open. We just, we just really want to invite people to come and pray today as we sing. There's plenty of room, plenty of time for us to just say, Lord, all I am, all I have, it's yours today. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.